Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hi, welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's discussion on hiring and workplace trends in 2021. Joining us today is Sally Bryant, President and CEO of Bryant Group, an executive search and leadership consulting firm. Sally joined Bryant Group in 2007 and brings more than 30 years experience in advancement management, consulting and recruiting, as well as achievements from the corporate sales arena and success in other entrepreneurial activities. She has held leadership positions at Providence Health in Seattle, the University of Puget Sound in Washington, and served as Chief Advancement Officer at Marymount College in California. Sally is a member of the Association of Healthcare Philanthropy, the Council for the Advancement and Support of Education, and the Network of Nonprofit Search Consultants. She served in many volunteer roles, including serving as a Washington State University Foundation trustee and as the President's Associates Committee Chair. Sally lives in Dallas and, as you might imagine, is a graduate of Washington State University. Go Cougars, right, Sally? Go Cougs! <laughs> or Cougs, sorry. And Sally, thank you so much. Sally is a wonderful friend and colleague and, and someone that uh, I and our firm hold in the highest esteem in the nonprofit and, and search arena. So Sally, welcome to the Beacon Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. Well, this is... Uh, certainly has been an interesting past year and really just curious, Sally, in terms of some trends. What are you seeing as trends in hiring and has the pandemic had an impact? Oh, my goodness, Jeff, what a great question. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of four or five trends that we're seeing now that are new in the last year. So that's some pretty fast change. I'll just jump in. The first one I I think of is the clients are more aware of and more educated in the space of DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I mean, these are conversations that have been ongoing for decades, but you know, they've really reached a new level of intentionality and thought over the past year. We are encouraged to find the organizations that we're working with wanting a real rich tapestry of voices at the table. And I, and we see our role in executive search. I mean, we can make a difference by continuing in our philosophy that we have had actually for the 33 years we've been in business, that experienced, qualified individuals come from a range of backgrounds, races, philosophies, and abilities. And the nonprofit industry, however, if we're really looking at this, and I don't want to go too far down a tangent, but I, I think this this whole this whole issue needs to be addressed at the top of the funnel. How do we interest people in nonprofit leadership starting as early as high school and then college and definitely early career? So that's one trend. Another one is that we're seeing clients more comfortable with and interested in hiring virtually. So no surprise there. We've all gotten very used to Zoom and other Microsoft Teams and other kinds of video chat. It's more time efficient and cost effective in an interviewing process. So that's a that's a definite trend, but it's not one I'm necessarily advocating for. Hiring a leader is kind of like getting married. This needs to be a long-term relationship where there's great alignment. And body language is so important. 
And when you are talking over video, you can only see about 20 to 30% of a person. And body language experts tell us that you can easily miss important nonverbal information over video. Really quick story. At the very beginning of the pandemic, we had a client who was right on the cusp of doing their semifinalist interviews. And we had to not not do them in person. This was right when everybody shut down uh, last spring. And so we scheduled the semifinalist interviews over video chat. And the CEO of the hospital was, I thought, brilliant when he said, I will do this. And I think it's an important step for them to start to get to know me and for me to start to get to know them. But I will not cut anybody over video. And I said, I sincerely appreciate that. So we did the semifinalist interviews over video. Six weeks later, the states opened up their quarantines, the states that the candidates were coming from in the state of our client organization. All the quarantines had been lifted temporarily. We didn't know it was temporary at that time, but we brought everybody to the, you know, on site. And his number one choice over video chat became his number four out of four. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we're a little bit, maybe not as comfortable with that trend as as some people, but we're very flexible with our clients for what they need. A couple more. Here's an interesting one. Some candidates will only accept a job now if they're allowed to work remotely or at least work in a hybrid situation where they're remote part of the time and in the office part of the time. And I got to say, Jeff, I mean, this is something we've rarely heard from candidates before 2020. And now I would say we hear it from at least one or two candidates per search. So it has really, really become a lot more common. And two more uh, I'd like to go over. One is uh, candidates are more likely to take extended family into consideration when they're considering a job. So that might mean that they're interested in moving to be closer to family, or it might mean that they're less likely to move if it takes them away from extended family. And that could be aging parents is is sort of a common one, but we're and we had seen that in years past, but we're seeing that to be more important. And then even taking into account uh, siblings, and I mean siblings of like when you're an adult, like I want to stay near my extended family. And I think that maybe the pandemic has made a lot of people just realize that nothing's for sure and family's really important as a support system. Of course, during the pandemic, some people were willing to get together with their family, even if they couldn't get together with anyone else. So I think that that importance has really been elevated and brought to the forefront. And then one last trend that I am not sure how the pandemic has really affected this, but we're really seeing it. And that is, and and it might actually go against the trend I just mentioned, but we're seeing people thinking about retirement at earlier ages than we've really seen in the past. Mid to late 50s, uh, people are thinking, you know, I'm that this is it. I'm I'm going to retire this year or next year. Or we're seeing people who maybe have just just entered their 50s, saying, I'm really looking for my last stop on my career, and I would plan for that stop to be six to eight years long. And 
the interest, one of the interesting things about that is then they're looking for that job in the geographical area where they want to spend their retirement. So this move actually might take them away from college age or other adult children. So that's a little bit different than the trend I just mentioned. But we find in this case, they've already had those conversations with adult children and everybody's on board and they already know the area where, where these people want to move. I mean, I literally can think of a candidate who moved to California, uh, Montana. I know somebody who wants to go to Florida, you know, and these are all like, that's where I'm looking because that's where my uh, significant other and I want to be. So those are some of the trends that that we're seeing. Fascinating. And you had mentioned, you know, the work, working from home and, and, and that dynamic. Are you seeing new workplace trends uh, over the last year? Oh, my goodness. As you know, Jeff, I mean, we're living in a world that feels like it's on fast forward. So, yes, I will touch on a few that I just, I find these fascinating. And and actually, they make me think of uh, Tom Mitchell at the University of Florida had mentioned to me maybe a few months into the pandemic. He said, changes that we would have not thought possible, such as working remotely, uh, he said, we would have... Before, we would have said, oh, well, let's put together some committees to study this, and then let's go away and study it for a year. And he said, and then everybody would have come back and said, it's not possible. And we learned things were possible overnight. So a few that I find really fascinating, I'm going to start with the 30,000-foot view. This is actually an unfortunate trend that I haven't heard many people talking about. I've seen maybe one article. We are seeing pervasive throughout the organizations that we work with and the people we talk to is a push to work without breaks. So we used to have these natural breaks built into built into our days. Whether it was driving to work, that's a nice that commute is a nice boundary creator sort of between your your personal life and your professional life. But even the walking across campus or walking one office to another. So when you're on a video meeting, you can go from one to the next without taking a break all day long. And those walks that I just mentioned, when people were on site at their organizations and they would walk from one meeting to another, whether it was a a three-minute walk or a 15-minute walk, it gives your mind and your body a mental and physical break. Then, of course, they would also meet face-to-face, which is much easier on your eyes and on your brain than staring at a 2D computer screen all day long where you have to concentrate even harder, as I mentioned earlier, to pick up body language, for example. And I would say the health implications of staring at a computer all day long probably won't be known for sure for years, but I do think it's safe to say that staring at that screen for 10 hours a day without breaks is not as healthy as walking to your next meeting and interacting with another human being when it's safe to do so, of course. And and I'll just put a plug in here for people to actually build in a 15 to 30 minute break in the middle of the day on their calendar to go out and get some sunshine. We're going into summer, like go out and get some sunshine and take a little bit of a walk. I, I did see one article that said, I think it came out maybe in December, that said that 
the research shows that people are actually working almost an hour longer per day than they were before the pandemic. So that's that's my first sort of unfortunate trend. Another one is that we talked about working remotely. So there's a push now and a, a trend happening in some, at least some of the larger organizations, universities, hospital systems, to reimagine the physical work environment for their team. And that is because of this desire for people to either work 100% remotely or in in a hybrid situation where they would work um, part-time at home and part-time in the office. And then maybe some other people on the team would work work full-time in the office. So it's very, very hybrid. But it's led to a couple of trends. One of the trends is what I just mentioned, which is that there's a hybrid of the team. So some people will work 100% remotely, some people will work part-time at home and part-time at the office, and some people will work full-time at the office. But this has given way to another trend. So Jeff, have you heard of hoteling? No. Okay. So you may have heard of hot desking. So hot desking is where there's a common office space and workers can just come in and take whatever desk or office or cubicle is available. So hot desking has been happening for a while now, even before the pandemic. But it seems like the pandemic maybe has given way to this hoteling. And hoteling involves software where a worker actually checks in to a space and reserves it ahead of time. Right? I mean, it's like, it's fascinating. So they might be able to choose from an office with a door or maybe a conference room if they need it or a cubicle. And then they can even see if there's someone checked into the cubicle next to them. Oh, wow. Right? So you might want to have a private conversation or maybe you're, you know, you want to be sure you're a certain distance away from other people so they can see if they want to take that cubicle. Um, With this sophistication and knowledge of which employees are going to be working remotely and and which ones are going to be working hybrid or full-time in the office, it's actually allowing organizations to consolidate office space and free up spaces that used to be some, you know, they had to have a permanent office, for example, for 100 people. Now maybe they have a common workspace. Again, it still includes offices and conference rooms and cubicles, but they only need to have that for 30 people at a time, for example. So super interesting and has given rise to a whole new part of the software industry, right? I know. It's really interesting. I was super fascinated by that. And and we know of at least one university that's implementing this right now. So I'm really, really interested to see how that will happen. I'm sure there's many, many of them. But another, another thing that works, another trend in the workplace, it, in the fundraising world, and, and I would assume this, this uh, um, extends to even the corporate world and other places that do events. So of course, We've seen a huge rise in online events over the last year. So moving forward, as people are able to start gathering together in person again, we are seeing organizations reevaluate and reimagine the future of their whole event landscape. For example, many alumni programs throughout the country have significantly increased participation in their events, such as lectures or 
book clubs or virtual gatherings, all things that can be done virtually and don't depend on a geographic area. So they might have alumni joining a book club from across the globe and getting together and talking about uh, about the book or listening to a professor give input or that kind of thing. Organizations, of course, have implemented virtual tours for potential students, for potential donors, uh, for current donors, anybody who's interested in what's going on at that organization. And of course, we've even seen virtual galas. Now, I do think there's a hunger for a return to some in-person events, but I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. I mean, my guess is there will be a much greater mix of virtual and in-person. Interesting. Yeah, it's almost tough to to take back a benefit once you've provided it in terms of access. So fascinating. Exactly. We've actually seen in alumni programs, I mean, we've talked to alumni directors who have had a 10 times, a tenfold increase in their, in their participation in events because wow. they're doing them online. Really interesting. This is maybe somewhat of a silver lining, just, you know, one of the silver linings to a terrible, terrible thing that has happened in our world, because alumni events for many universities were, but participation was decreasing, partly just because of traffic issues and busier lives and not not for a lack of interest in a person's alma mater, but just for practicality and logistics reasons. And so this has actually opened up sort of a whole new world there. Wow. That is, those are fascinating trends. And Sally, you do a, you and your team do an incredible job working in higher education and healthcare and nonprofits. What advice do you have for those sectors? Oh, Jeff, that is a wide open question. (laughs) (laughs) What's really come to, to the forefront for me in greater clarity than ever before over the last year is to focus on leadership. We believe at Bryant Group, it's important to recruit the right leaders, of course, but it's also important to be the right leader. And this takes intentionality and continual personal and professional growth. So I'm thinking of whether you're a board member or a CEO or the leader of a unit or a team, you impact people every day in your organization and outside of your organization. A great leader not only gets great results, but they also elevate the people who work at the organization. They affect those people not only every day, but actually into the future. Our passion for great leadership led us to broaden our services so that in addition to providing executive recruitment, we also provide ongoing leadership consulting, coaching, education for transformational relationships. So as you know, I came up through the fundraising world and transformational relationships, that is one of the most important things to me. It's one of the richest parts of life. And we can, we want to continue that in the work that we do with organizations. So 2020 taught us that we'll never know what's around the corner. Leadership decisions at our client organizations, universities, hospitals, other nonprofits, those decisions at the leadership level of those organizations impacted communities of people in unprecedented ways and highlighted more than ever how interconnected we all are. I mean, leaders saw the weight and the responsibility of decisions impacting 
students, patients, patrons, volunteers, local business owners, their employees. We, I'm thinking of one university that we have been partnering with over the last year where they're a university in a university town. And every decision that they made about whether students were coming back, about how to, where to work, whether to work remotely, whether to work hybrid, um, who they're going to be bringing to campus, all of those decisions impacted the entire town, the entire city that they are in, because the university is the largest employer in the city. And if they're not bringing people into that city, which is in a somewhat remote area, then that impacts local business owners, hotels, restaurants. I mean, not just the the shutdown, right? But if a restaurant could could cater outside, but there's nobody to cater to, right? There's nobody to deliver food to, because now instead of having this huge population, for example, of students influx during the year, they don't have that. So leaders were seeing that weight, that responsibility of their decisions, and really feeling that as a as a very serious obligation on their shoulders. And we've had the privilege of partnering with our clients in those ongoing leadership consulting arrangements. And I want to let you know, we practice what we preach. I mean, I have my own business coach and my own leadership coach because the best leaders are those who know that they don't know it all. And they tap into the expertise and experience and knowledge of trusted advisors. So I I really advise thinking intentionally about leadership and how to not just bring in the right people, but how to be the right people. I I love that. What a great way to end our conversation on noting the importance of those transformational relationships. And I think Sally, it speaks to to just the, uh, the values and caliber of you and your team. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Beacon Podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate you. And to our listeners, please uh, be sure to check out Bryant Group at bryantgrp.com or by following Bryant Group on LinkedIn. Jeff Jowdy here, thanking you for listening to this edition of the Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to the Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.